Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host of the Injured List podcast, Brian Scott. Welcome to the Injured List Podcast, your host, Brian Scott, and another great episode for you this evening as we have another great guest, and we've had a long line of them, and uh, it gets better and better, I think, with each uh, guest that comes on the show. So today's guest, without further ado, is Krista Yearling, and Krista is a licensed counselor and has her own business and uh, consulting and counseling practice called Speakstone, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, she's a coach, a personal trainer, uh, a recreational athlete who's faced many challenges both on and off the playing field as well, like, like many of our other guests that we've had on. And uh, I've been wanting to have a mental um, health expert on the show to talk about injuries and how we get around them and deal with them from a psychological point of view. So this is like the perfect guest. I've been waiting to have someone like her on. So let's get her up to the stage. Krista. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I love that you highlighted recreational athlete. That was amazing because I definitely, I definitely fit that. So I love that. There with you. Um, Yes. I would even say that those days are long behind me and I would probably agree with them. Um, Yes, I love that. So tell us a little bit about your background and your credentials, which are many, but uh, well earned and used uh, today in your practice. So, um, you know, a little bit of history, where you're from and where you got your education and and what you're currently up to. Yeah. So uh, I'm in Colorado now. I'm from Colorado, uh, but I had moved away to New Mexico for some time. So I love both states. I'm, I'm definitely a heart torn between the two, but um so I'm a licensed professional counselor candidate, so long, here in Colorado. And then um, I'm a licensed mental health counselor in New Mexico. They're all um, different <laughs> names, you know. Uh, so I offer counseling in Colorado and New Mexico right now. Um, and then I offer like mental performance coaching. Uh, and I do that globally, really. Um, yeah, and I got into counseling I was a strength coach, personal trainer um, before, and I was working with a variety of different athletes. Um, And I was working alongside other just really phenomenal coaches uh, that were training very elite athletes. And it was was so awesome. I loved it. Uh, I ended up going to grad school to get my uh, master's in exercise science and coaching. And halfway through, that I was like, Hmm, I don't know. I I don't know if this is what gets me up in the morning. (laughs) I love exercise science. Um, but I love the psychology piece a little bit more, the mental health piece more. And I switched halfway through and, uh, haven't looked back. So I I'm very grateful for my time as a coach. Um, but I'm really excited to be doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm assuming, uh, given your background with uh, the strength and conditioning coaching and all that stuff, that a uh, majority, if not the focus of your practice, um, is around athletics and athletic performance and athletes. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I primarily serve athletes, coaches, uh, affiliated personnel. So, um, could be, you know, athletic trainers, personal trainers, um, physical therapists, people kind of in the space of athletics. Right. Um, and then I have some general population of recreational athletes like myself, um, because I think even, even recreationally, right. There is, uh, a lot of people that seek out athletics in adulthood that aren't professional or elite like myself, they still want to perform well. Right. And so I do still work with, with them too. And, and and you not only uh, talk to talk, you walk the walk, you perform and practice the Brazilian Brazilian jujitsu currently, yeah, um, which is pretty cool. And uh, note taken, not to mess with you. Um, now, <laughs> one thing that we've been lacking on the show has been a guest to really get into the mental side of dealing with sports injuries, and so that's why I really wanted to have you on to give us a very unique perspective in how athletes have to jump over those mental hurdles to get back on the field of play, um, not just after an injury, but also how they deal with it from a mental standpoint at the time of the injury, working through their rehab and recovery process. So um, no better person to have on the show than yourself. Take us through that whole process. Let's go back to when an athlete who perhaps has never had to deal with some type of injury from sport, maybe some minor aches and pains or bumps and bruises, now finds themselves at a point where they're dealing with a significant injury where they may now have to lose some time, may even potentially have to have surgery, which could threaten their season, potentially mm-hmm. career. Where do you come in? And um, at, what, at, at that point, what is the focus? What are the sub techniques? I mean, let's get into it because a lot of people have questions and this is not my forte. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's a great question. So like not to backpedal, but one thing that I kind of miss, like when I was a coach, my favorite part about working with my athletes was hearing their story, right? Hearing what they were going through, um, the struggles they were having in parenting or in their relationships or, you know, fight coming back from pregnancy postpartum or, you know, coming back from injury. Right. And so that, that really like motivated me. And so when you say like, you know, where do we start? That's such a great question because that is so, um, individual, right? So if you're, if you have like an athlete that hasn't really experienced, like you're saying, like injury setback, um, you know, I'm automatically going to be kind of looking to just like their mental status, like in the moment, right? Like, how are we, how are we operating right now? Um, you know, there's so many working parts that go into mental health. So when we consider an, an isolated event, like a torn ACL, you know, you kind of have to question more than just like, are, you know, how do you feel right now? Because you have to go a little bit deeper. So you can start with like, you know, how are you feeling right now? Where are we at kind of implementing some general assessments, like, um, like a depression screening or anxiety screening, you know, things like that. Um, but then really considering other things, right. An injury setback for someone that's on a pretty set salary and they know they're going to come back in a few games, or they know, even if they're out, like 
it's it, they'll recover and they'll come back. Um, might be a different experience than someone that isn't really on a set salary, right? And they're they're fighting for each game or each uh, time of play. And so I think really kind of getting that holistic first, like picture of what's really going on right now <laughs> and like honing in on how are you doing right now? And then going bigger of like the holistic would be kind of where I would start personally, like, you know, getting that understanding of potential risks for them in their mental health, you know, um, and that really starts with really just like a psychosocial assessment, right. Taking like a history, um, just getting to know them as a person, um, outside of just their performance. Yeah. And I, I, I would think, uh, you know, so as a former athletic trainer, I, I, you know, we often found ourselves, um, or the training room itself actually became almost like that kind of um ther- therapy room yeah <laughs> therapy session right like they would come right. to us right after getting hurt you know um a lot of times it wasn't even to be to get treated sometimes it was just to hang out and kind of get yeah. a weight court or the field where they didn't they felt maybe embarrassed or um yeah. pressed because they were out there watching but knew they couldn't participate and sometimes the training room was a good escape for them so i'm sure that you've seen that as well and that's you know in my from my point of view, that's usually where it started, right? Maybe this feeling of like, oh, I'm letting myself and my team down. Um, there's nothing I can do. It's kind of hopeless at this point. Mm-hmm. And so when you get involved with them, are these assessments that you do just kind of like sit down, having a discussion one-on-one? Is it more like, hey, fill out this form for me? Or do you try to keep it more casual, kind of more laid back like you would in like a regular therapy session kind of thing? Or Yeah. So, I mean, again, you know, like if we're talking counseling, like, I can only really work in the the states that I'm licensed, right? But um, with any athlete that come into, you know, my office for counseling or you know, virtual whatever, um, I'm I'm kind of laid back already. (laughs) Like I'm not really someone that's like, okay, here are all my fancy forms, and (laughs) you know, I definitely believe in you know the right forms need to be signed and all the things, but. Um, you know, I think that's a personal preference. Some people like to send the assessments to the clients before. Um, but I, I kind of like seeing if the client wants to fill it out with me. Um, I think you risk a few things like, you know, on some of the assessments, you know, they might not want to answer a question with you around, you know, honestly. And so you kind of run that risk when you're, uh, in person, and it, it might happen again too, though, if they're filling it out on their own. And for me, just really establishing that rapport, like that relationship with my client is the most important thing first and foremost, to let them know that I'm not here to judge them. I'm not here to just, you know, there's a very big difference between coaching and counseling, right? And so I'm, I'm really providing the space for them to process the things that maybe they don't really want to say out loud other places, you know, or they, or maybe they haven't really acknowledged before. And that could be really terrifying. Right. Um, you know, I specialize in PTSD and, and depression, trauma. And when you get someone that is like ready, they're not maybe like, you know, ready, but they're like, Hey, I need to maybe address some of this stuff going on and maybe some of the stuff in the past, you know, if I'm like sitting there, like the expert and like, 
you know, <laughs> like come to me for all your answers. Like, I don't think it's going to go very far, yeah. you know, I think, yeah. you know, so I definitely, I definitely try to keep it pretty personal or personable. And, um, like that, cause I know that for me, I wouldn't want to go to a counselor if they're like, you know, I, there's a joke, uh, between a friend of mine, just kind of like, you know, it's great when people write books, it's gets real awkward when we try to like force books on our clients, you know, so I would never want to be like that or something. So no, I get that. It makes yeah. sense. You, you don't want to just be reciting from a textbook and yes. look like that stereotypical professor from the TV or the therapist who's on the, you know, yeah, yeah right. It's like, there's a, a time and a place, right? Like, I love, I mean, I read all of that stuff. Like I, I'm the nerd that's like, yes, send me your podcasts and send me your books. And like, you know, but when we're talking like someone that is like in a state of distress or dysregulation, like that's not really the time to be like, here's all my, <laughs> whatever. So when we do assessments, I like to do them with them. I, I definitely give them the option. Hey, do you want to fill this out before? Would you rather wait until we're meeting. Um, and then I kind of move on from that because assessments, uh, I had a professor tell me, say this in class one time, and it just stuck with me. And he was saying, you know, um, assessments are phenomenal and they're great tools to track symptoms and all these things, but they're, you know, they're descriptive. They're not always really prescriptive. So I don't really, again, you know, I like to take it as a piece of the puzzle and so really kind of move on from there and see what's really going on. What are some outside factors that are influencing the gravity of this current situation and how can we go from there? And so in your initial evaluation, what's the more common things you see, the common trends and behaviors or moods or whatnot that you see athletes in when they're first dealing with that initial shock of the injury and then getting their diagnosis and knowing like, okay, Here's what we need to do next. You know, what, what do you typically see? Yeah, I think when, when I have an athlete that's come to me, like to deal with like post-injury, right. Um, or in the healing process, I think what I see a lot is like fear, right. A lot of, um, anxious symptoms of like, what happens, you know, what if, like, what if I don't get better? What if someone else takes my spot and they're better than me, <laughs> you know, like, um, sometimes that happens, right? You, you are off, someone comes on and coach likes them better or they're performing. That might be a fear that they've had all along kind of brewing and then the injury just takes it to another level. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of that, um, I'm a, I'm, I specialize in brain spotting. So I'm always looking for that limbic system. And we were, I was going to ask you about that. You might as well, yeah, let's talk yeah, about that. Let's go into that. Okay. Yeah. I'm always looking for those limbic system cues that are like telling me like the emotions, right. The emotion brain. Um, because like, I, I don't want, I don't know how nerdy you want me to go. Brian, but, you know, like when I hear the word brain spotting and, and probably a lot of my listeners are thinking the same thing. I almost kind of equate it to like that whole grounding and earthing thing where you mm-hmm. basically go barefoot and try to reconnect and balance out your system is brain, yeah. spotting, brain spotting kind of something similar. It's, it's different, but I love that. I love that. I would like, I would live barefoot if it was socially acceptable. <laughs> so, um, and I like am never wearing shoes. Um, 
so I mean, I'm all for that stuff, but <laughs> with brainstorming, so there's no, there's no correlation <laughs> between the grounding and brain spotting. They're two completely think, different. You know, it, it's probably, I don't know enough about grounding to really talk about yeah. that, but it's probably <laughs> similar in the sense that you're probably trying to tap into that limbic system is what it sounds like with grounding. Someone else that specializes in that, like you have another episode already, <laughs> um, should come on and talk to both of us about that. Uh, well, the only reason but, I brought it up is I saw there's a Netflix special about it. I haven't even watched it yet. So oh, it's like, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's so awesome. Yeah, no. So, like with brain spotting, we're we're so okay. We know that trauma and you know life in general gets stored in the body, right? Happy times, happy memories, you know, positive emotions, and also really scary and you know terrifying events get stored in the body. And brain spotting kind of is. Uh, a great way to tap into that, right? So we are using our eyes to access that midbrain, that limbic system to do all the processing. So it is a, like, if you know, uh, Bessel van der Kolk or some, he's a, he has like a great book called the body keeps the score. So he talks a lot about like, um, top down healing and then like bottom up healing and, and brain spotting would be like a bottom up because we're tapping into the emotions, right? So we know that really with brain spine, what we're doing is we're locating maybe a spot that you feel activated or grounded. There's a couple ways to do this. So, but we'll go with activated. Like you tore your ACL, you planted wrong, you know, and now every time you think of it, it's not great, right? You're feeling yuck. Yeah, you 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 run that through your mind mm-hmm. all the time, right? Yeah, Maybe I can speak to that. I I tore my ACL. Oh, nice. Yeah. Me too. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I use it. it <laughs> right? So, You're yeah, like, I mean, that fear of the re 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 um inventing or not reinventing, but re rehearsing and redoing that same movement yeah. that caused the injury. You're mm-hmm. always kind of subconsciously like uh, you're you go back to that moment. Right. Right. So logically you might be able to tell yourself, oh, well, I know that if I just don't like plant like that and kick weird or whatever, then I'll be fine. Right. But somatically, like your body is still pretty activated from that event. So what I see is athletes that are in that healing process, right. You're, they're getting cleared by athletic trainers or, you know, their physical therapists, their orthos, to get back out there and, you know, slowly or fully cleared, but they're stepping on the field or the court, whatever, um, the ring, you know, and they're like, still, they're like, I know I'm okay, but I'm freezing every time I get in a similar situation. Right. So that is where with brain spotting, we're tapping into that freeze. So we're locating a, a spot, maybe that you're feeling very, that freeze, maybe, you know, people feel it all over their bodies. Like, you know, your hand could go numb, your head hurts, whatever. Um, and then we're processing there and we're letting your brain do what it needs to. And you're, you are the expert, not me. I'm holding the, the drawer open on the filing cabinet, but you're the one going in and like pulling whatever files your brain makes total sense. I totally get what you're saying. Now that I think about it, I think my 
would you call it a brain spotting moment? Um, <laughs> coming sure. back from my ACL. Yeah. Like I, I could recall, like I would, I would almost get like this sudden rush of anxiety or almost like a, I could feel my stomach turn Yeah. whenever I was going to repeat that movement or that thing that I tore my ACL on. Right. You know, nine months before. And I was like, right. whoa, <laughs> what was that? Right. And then now that, I, mm-hmm. now that you talk about this and that's exactly what I was doing, I was going back to my brain to that mm-hmm. moment and feeling that physical manifestation of that emotional connection yeah. to that yeah. moment in time when I tore my knee up. So yeah. Right. I, right. I yeah. Right. So it's like when we, you know, I, because I am, you know, I do mental performance coaching too. Right. And I use brain spotting in my coaching very, you know, differently, obviously for obvious reasons, like licensure reasons and everything. But, you know, if we're doing coaching, it's going to look a little different. Um, we're going to say more here now, not go so much, you know, um, but it, you know, you, I end up also adding in mental skills and things like that with coaching where, you know, it's funny because I get a lot of coaches reach out to me and they're like, I have an athlete that they know all of the skills. They have all of the mental skills, but they can't get past their fight, flight, freeze, fun, like something is blocking them, you know? And so that is why I love brainstorming because we can go in and, and give voice, like your subconscious is coming to the conscious, right? We're, we're connecting it and giving that room to process, but then also to release. Right. Mm -hmm. So you get a client come in and they're like, yeah, I, you know, it's like, makes me want to throw up every time I think about, you know, going back out there or whatever. And I'm like an eight out of 10 on, I'm about to barf, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So with the brainstorm, brainstorm at the end, we're going to check back in on that eight out of 10 and they might be like a four or five, you know? And, and the cool thing is where the research that is there is showing that that four or five is, is staying a four and five, right? We're mm-hmm. really processing. We're not just feeling better in this 50 minutes. And then it's, you know, back on Tuesday, (laughs) you know, we're really, really processing. So when we talk about the counseling side, when it is an injury, but it's accompanied by many other factors and we're digging deeper because we can on the counseling um, piece, sometimes that eight out of 10 goes to like a seven. And then we go seven, come back in and you're like a six, seven. And then we get that down to like a four or five. So it can be when it's more complex, it can take a little bit longer. Sure. Um, you know, when it's kind of like, oh yeah, it can kind of go faster. <laughs> so there's specific kind of- techniques or things or drills or exercises that you do or teach your mm-hmm. athletes to basically help them overcome this? Like what are some of the methods? Yeah. So the brain spotting is something we do together. I use like, uh, either, you know, there's various ways to do it. Um, we can use a pointer or we can use just gaze spotting would be one where someone is, um, gazing, right. They're just looking off. Um, but say I, you're talking to me about something and I notice you're looking in a direction and I might say, Hey, you know, I'm noticing you're looking over here. What do you notice when, you know, Um, so with the brain spotting, we kind of do it in office. If you're depending on the person, you know, if you want to 
kind of see how you're feeling with eyes closed or eyes open um, on your own, you know, go for it. But otherwise on the mental performance skills, I do a lot of um, breath work. So there is a, a guy in Albuquerque, his name's Doc Shandon, and he does a, like kind of a visualization breath and speaking methodology and I'll implement his stuff um, off and on. And I, I will have clients uh, do that every day, right? It's like a meditation, right? So when we start talking about mindfulness and meditation, we're kind of talking that top down where we're using our prefrontal cortex to regulate our limbic system, right? So we're able to kind of work on controlling and things like that um, and getting to that meditated state. So once we've done a lot of clearing out and things like that, I will then add in skills and we'll go a lot of, you know, mindfulness, um, breath work, breath work is huge, uh, which can also be a bottom up (laughs) like thing too, but yeah. Yeah. So a lot of skills like that. So does it involve a lot of like visualization as well while you're doing the breath work or can that you incorporate that as well? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't quote me on this one. <laughs> I should okay. know this for a podcast, but I know, I think it's the alpha waves okay. where when you're using visualization and breath and, um, uh, language, like speaking, um, that you're kind of engaging that flow state. I think it might be the alpha waves. Could you, I'm not a neuroscientist, okay? You can always uh, reference that later. Yes. I'll put a link or something. For sure. Yes, something like that. So visualization is huge. Um, I am a big proponent, but because I also am always looking for that limbic system, I'm always having people try to tap in. So say, you know, we'll just do jujitsu. If I was my own client, you know, if I'm at practice, Um, I might, if I'm training for a competition coming up, I might be challenging myself to notice, um, times within a match, right? So I try to minimize having my clients like review the tape while they're performing. (laughs) Cause I notice that's, that happens a lot with a lot of high performers. They want to like they mess up and then they want to, they immediately go to trying to figure out how to fix it in the moment. But in a lot of sports, you don't have time to do that. Especially like combat sports. It's like you messed up, move on. We will talk about it later because if you sit here and think about it, you're going to get knocked out. You know, you'll be on your back and you'll be tapping. Yes. Game over. Like I see a guillotine choke in your future. So, um, yeah. So it, it kind of depends on, you know, football, right. There's a little bit of downtime. You can, you know, talk about what happened in that possession, move on. Um, but yeah, I try to like help my clients not review the tape, but in training, like if we are training, there would be like one five minute increment that I would challenge the client to notice, like, what do they smell? What do they you know, hear, what do they feel? What do they, you know? Um, and then, you know, noticing like, oh shoot, I stuck my arm out or something. And then, and I I wouldn't do that 
too much as a practice because I don't want them to get in that habit, but it is good to also train some awareness at the same time. So, um, a lot of the work that I do for though, that would be setting up your set an intention for your training, do some breath work visualization around that before, and then working on in the moment. Um, I'm sure someone already thought of this, but I, I use like the term foundational or grounding truths. Okay. So if you do get choked out, right, we're at practice, you get choked out, whatever you tap, it's over, you know, you move on. Right. Um, if you are dysregulated, if you're pissed off, you're like F that guy, you know, like yeah. you're over it. Um, you need to find a grounding neutral truth. That's going to bring you back to baseline. Okay. Um, and then afterwards you can review the tape. So that's kind of more so what I do. Um, uh, it would be like the before mindfulness visualization, breath work, setting an intention during getting that foundational truth. And then after, you know, uh, reviewing the tape. Gotcha. So kind of things like that. Yeah. yeah it makes, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you don't want to be harping on it and reviewing it right away. You you want to sure. let some time go by where you can calm your nerves, get your senses about you, your mm-hmm. wits about you, mm-hmm. um, and then come back later and say, okay, here's what I need to focus on. Here's what I did wrong. Yeah. Here's what I need to improve or change. Right. Yeah, right. I, I get it. Um, so this is cool stuff. I mean, and this stuff can be applied and used throughout the pr- process of getting injured, recovering, Mm-hmm. And then coming yeah. back to play. So this yeah. is stuff that can be implemented throughout that entire sure. sequence and phase sure. of recovery and injury and stuff. So mm-hmm. these are some really powerful tools that a lot mm-hmm. of athletes, unfortunately, do not have mm-hmm. access to because, um, you know, depending on where they are, uh, whether, you know, location wise, um, what resources they have available to them, um, yeah. what organizations they play with or for, um, you know, not this is not stuff that we see every day. I mean, I can tell you, in my days at the division three level, um, did not have that. Um, mm-hmm. I can tell you, uh, my short time in ma- minor league baseball, I don't recall ever seeing that. Um, yeah. Although I know the players had access to sports psychology professionals. I, mm-hmm. they were not really part of the staff or part of the team, yeah. so to speak. Right. But I do know that nowadays, especially in the NFL, there are several organizations that have brought on sports psychologists yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, counseling experts like yourself um, who can, who do this type of work yeah. on the regular and are constantly working with players, not who are um, just injured, but also healthy to basically right. help them perform better, keep their mind um, you know, focused and not let a lot of distractions get in. So it's really fascinating to me to hear this um, from the injury point of view, because it, like yeah. I said, it's an uh, area uh, that I'm not uh, an expert in by any means. Um, I don't have a lot of experience in dealing with it. Um, all I can tell you from my point of view is that as athletic trainers, as healthcare professionals, especially if you're on the sidelines or in the training room or the locker room, you often see these athletes that are in need of some type of psychological help um, yeah. and are just begging for it and come looking and searching for that help and they can't find it, unfortunately. So this is really important right. stuff. Yeah, I think we're like on the wave of of athletes being able to just talk about it and being able to say, Hey, guess what? I'm a human too. (laughs) And I'm not, I'm not always so happy, like, you know, living the dream. Right. Like, and 
And to touch on that too, like sports psychologists are phenomenal and they have skills that, you know, I don't even have. And like, you know, they are amazing. And I think that it's awesome to see a lot of teams taking on sports psychs because we need that out there. Um, And I hope to see more teams taking on, you know, sport mental health counselors, right? Because although we overlap, overlap in a lot of ways, you know, there's a lot of ways that we are different too. And both we need both, (laughs) you know, like we need, we need it both. We need a place for someone to really focus on and hone on, hone in on performance struggles and concerns. And we need a place for the athlete to be a human and talk about things that have happened in their past. You know, I know that like mental health has like historically been underreported in the athlete population, you know, and, and I think too, coming back to that initial question, you asked me, like, what do I see? You know, it is that fear, that fear of, if I talk about this, is it going to get worse? If I acknowledge this, am I going to be as good of an athlete? Am I, you know, going to be done? Like, you know, there's fear, like it, it's, you know, so I'm glad that we're starting to create this space where doesn't have to be the end of your story to like talk to a counselor, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real, real, um, and you mentioned fear and I was, I'm glad you actually came back to that. Cause I was going to ask you to kind of elaborate a little bit more on that, but also on some other things that you see that are very common for athletes who are injured. Um, fear is certainly probably one of the foremost and frontmost things that athletes experience, uh, fear of, you know, the unknown about, the, the severity of their injury, the magnitude yeah. of that injury and how it may affect their career going forward. Yeah. Um, what is, what is probably the next most common thing you see in, and and uh, in athletes who are injured what, at any point um, in the injury process? Is there one thing that kind of, another thing that kind of jumps out at you? I think it depends on the age, right? Okay. If we're talking yeah. like, I think, um, you know, younger athletes probably are more so like the fear for sure, but how that presents looks a little different. Like, I think Mm -hmm. we're starting to deal with like, um, like letting, am I some depression, right? Am I letting my family down? Am I letting the team down? Which I think that that's across all ages, really. I just think it's a different style, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, And so probably those depressive symptoms are starting to show for me, like, because I, I do specialize in PTSD. I'm always looking for the, the step before, right. Which would be some other kind of diagnoses like acute stress or, you know, what, you know, things that are kind of showing like, you know, loss of interest in things that made them happy, sleeping more or less, uh, kind of just all those typical things. How's their appetite? Are they isolating themselves a lot? That happens. I see that a lot with injury, which is a lot of kind of those depressive symptoms coming out of like, you know, I can't go to practice or if I go to practice, I just sit there and sucks, you know, or, you know, just different things start to kind of come up. But I would say we see a lot of like fear. So that can come off as like anxiousness really. And then, and then kind of the depressiveness with it, like depressive symptoms kind of accompanying it really. Yeah. I I think that's a a huge one as well. I see that quite a bit. 
Um, mm -hmm. Even now um, in my role as a PA, I see that a lot in the office. You know, you get the yeah. young, especially in the younger athletes, you know, they're, they're, it's, it can be very traumatic for them. Yeah. They, maybe, you know, maybe some of them have never experienced any type of traumatic event like this. Right. Um, you know, um, at a young age, you know, what, what do you, you know, a lot of times you'll be shielded from things regarding health yes. and yeah. bad, you know, outcomes with health, like in family members and friends and stuff. So, uh, to experience then all of a sudden this thing that happens to you uh, can be right. quite shocking <laughs> and, a, right. and a lot to take in. So um, what are some of the mechanisms that you help your athletes kind of, how do you coach them through getting through that stuff? Yeah. So a lot of awareness, right? So if we're talking about a young athlete, right, that's a system. I can't just work with the young athlete. That's got to be a family system approach too. So, you know, that's always tricky. Sometimes, uh, families are on board and sometimes they're like, just getting better and we'll see you later. You know? Um, right, right. so it, it's kind of depends on the age, you know, like family system, if they're younger, um, and then kind of individual, but also leaning into support. So again, you know, we can utilize brain spotting. We can utilize some like talk therapy techniques kind of stuff. Um, and then just kind of, some, you know, I don't love to go to solution focused right away because I think, again, I'm always looking, I'm like the scab picker, Brian. <laughs> I'm like, what's <laughs> underneath that though? Yeah, like, yeah. let's, let's well, dig deeper, <laughs> you know? Yeah, sometimes you have to. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm always kind of looking deeper. So just kind of diving behind some athletes. So if you're coming into my office, I'm always wondering where in your life, you know, where else have you gone through something or where, you know, like you're saying, if they're younger, they've been sheltered, they've been shielded from, you know, a lot of this stuff. That's a little bit of a different approach because it's like, so let's understand why this feels so big compared yeah. to another person that's like, you know, um, <laughs> Like, you know, you know, they're kind of like, oh yeah, just another elbow, whatever, you know, yeah, <laughs> the oh, injuries that I've been hearing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my, my cousin broke his wrist seven times. Uh, you know, yeah. Right. Like whatever. Yeah. This is only yeah. my fourth break, yeah. you know, yeah. like, so, or even like, even, you know, even in life trauma, right? Like yeah. you, you see like people come in with different kind of coping mechanisms based off of the life that they've lived, right? We don't just like cope from like, like huge traumatic events, right? We're constantly learning how to like go through life and in the way that's going to keep us regulated, feeling safe, feeling, you know, okay in the world. And um, a lot of the time athletes are coming into my door because those coping mechanisms aren't working anymore. <laughs> And so it's not so much, I, I do get preventative clients that want to like, Hey, I'd like to stay on top of this. I would say that's a little bit more the minority though, yeah. that not a lot of clients are like, Hey, I want to go into the, like, I'm fine. You know, like, Hey, I'm noticing yeah. this is gonna be a hard season for me. So I want to get ahead of the game, you know, no, I think a lot no, of people are coming in, yeah. right? A lot of people are, no. yeah. right, they're coming in because they're like, uh, my coping mechanisms aren't working. So we kind of yeah. look at like, what, where was the 
dysfunction or the malfunction in the coping mechanisms? What were you doing before? Why aren't they working? Why did they serve you in the past? Right. Because they do, right. They serve us for some reason. And then why aren't they working now? And then how can we kind of work to add in different skills and, you know, whether that's mindfulness, maybe that's social engagement. Maybe that's, you know, I think that's where the individuality comes is with the client and their needs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's great stuff. And I I feel like we could sit here all, all day and talk about this because I have I I think I have maybe have more questions than the people listening, but that's <laughs> um, just I because I'm, I'm, questions too. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean that's just like I said though. This because I'm around it and I don't know a lot about it. You know, uh, yeah, I'm around this all the time. Like, yeah, I, I deal with the injured young youth and and professional and elite level, and I mean, I mean it's hard. It's a hard thing to kind of wrap into a, a nicely fit package and and yeah. deliver it. To the client and be like, there you it go. Is. Here is all you need to do is right here. But no, it doesn't work right. like that. It doesn't. Like it's and that's, uh, it, there's a lot yeah. of moving pieces. Yeah. Um, you know, not it, the fit. You got the physical affecting the mental, vice versa. So you're trying to attack from one end, and I'm I'm working on the other side trying to help them. And they've got all yeah. these things they've got to work on. And man, I, I and I've been through it. And you know, you, I'm sure you have too, even as a recreational athlete, where you've dealt with an injury and. For sure. back. Um, you mentioned your ACL uh, injury of, of mine. So um, I think we all kind of get, get it a little bit, but I don't think we really kind of deeply understand just how important it is to get a handle yeah. on right mm-hmm. from the get go. Um, Cause what you don't want to happen. And this is what I see very often. And this is kind of bringing me to my last kind of big question here is, for those athletes that you do see at that point where they have basically hit rock bottom, where maybe mm-hmm. they've been cleared or they're nearing being cleared to return from a major injury and they show up in your office and they're like, Krista, um, I just can't do it. Like um, I've been cleared. Um, it's been a year since my surgery. I'm mm-hmm. you know, ready to go back, but I, I just find myself hesitant, unsure, not, you know, not quite feeling like I'm ready, even though physically I feel good, you know, how do you deal with that? I feel like that's probably got to be one of the more difficult type of coaching um, counseling stuff you do. Yeah. Those are my favorite clients. <laughs> I love those clients. Let's go. It's so hard, right? Because you're like, but you know, even when you were saying that, I'm like, Oh, like my heartstrings, they're just being pulled, <laughs> you know, yep. um, on the coaching side, I can, I'm a little limited, right? There's, we can still work together, but I always, 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 I'm going to say it again, always, <laughs> make sure if we're doing mental performance coaching that I have looked up some mental health supports in your area, because especially if we're doing brain spotting and something comes up like, oh yeah, I'm just remembering this thing. And now this car accident that was, you know, or this where now it's like, okay, well, this is starting to turn counseling, I'm going to definitely want to have that referral on hand to get them that support. So with the coaching, you know, when clients are coming to me like that, I already have my sensors up, like this is probably counseling. We're probably going to need to get you a a mental health support. Um, 
I can still work with you coaching or, you know, it really depends on the client, how they want to, you know, if they say, thank you, yes, I will call these counselors. Great meeting you. See you later. I'm happy. I did my job. I got them the support they need. Um, if they're like, yeah, I want to work. I still want to work performance while I'm talking to this counselor. Great. We can do that too. On the counseling side though, I'm like, come on in, (laughs) let's go. Because that to me is where you have someone that is like, okay, my coping strategies are not working. Like I have tried it all. I've done it all. Mm -hmm. I should be fine. And I'm not. And I love that because that is so raw when someone can come to you and they're like, I'm rock bottom, man. You know, that's when we can like work. You know, so it, it, it doesn't scare me. I'm like, let's go. (laughs) I'm like, here we go. Because it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be pretty. And I think that's why, you know, I'm not everybody's kind of counselor either. Cause you know, I don't do a bunch of like kumbaya and which (laughs) I wish, I wish I was sometimes a little softer, which, cause I love, I learned so much from so many of my colleagues that just, I'm like, oh, you're just wonderful. But, you know, I think coming from the coach and athletic side, I'm like, let's go there. Like, I'm like not time to dig in our heels. Let's, let's get to it. Yeah. yeah let's do it. Like I kind of take a similar approach in dealing yeah. with my injured patients. I, I kind of revel in like the really bad orthopedic trauma stuff. I don't know why, yeah. but like, cause that's when people are really at their most desperate right. and vulnerable and they're really like, they are at the bottom. Um, yes. probably as low as they've ever been. And it's yeah. time to like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build this back up and we're going to start at zero. And this is, we're going to do it together. So I, I totally get what you're saying. And I, I revel in those challenges too. And I'm yeah. sure, like you said, you find that right. to be like, right. the and <laughs> yes, for sure. Right. Because you're like, here we go. Like, I'm not scared. Like I'll go to that dark place with you. Like you're in yeah. a pit. I'm coming on down, man. Like we're going to climb up together. Like I, I'm not going to climb for you. You know, I'm not going to do the work for you. You're going to have to do it yourself, but I'll be right next to you the whole way through. And that's why I love when you say like that athlete, that's like, oh my gosh, I can't like, I'm freaking out. This is it. Or, you know, I mean, I, you know, working with athletes experiencing, you know, all kinds of trauma, you know, and they're like, how do I go back and play for a different coach when they have trauma from an old coach? Like, let's go, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm ready. So if yeah. they're ready, I'm, I'm ready, you know? Awesome. So I, I think for me again, as far as like how we go about treating that, that's where it gets a little too individual to kind of go into. Um, brainstorm. Oh, we spend a whole nother episode just talking about yes, that. <laughs> for sure. Because also, yeah. you know, it just depends, right? That's the, yeah. I'll say that a million times. It just kind of depends. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very individualized. It really right. has to uh, kind of mm-hmm. be tailored to the individual. Yeah. So. Yeah, but, but I love um, those. I love those athletes. <laughs> now, so the big difference, though, in my field and in your field is where I can pretty much say, you know, okay, so here's your injury at 12 to 18 months. You know, you're fully recovered. We've checked all the scans. We've done all our exams. I've got nothing left to offer you. Conversely, yeah. you're like, hey, listen, we're just hitting the peak. Now you want to yeah. stay there. We've got some more work to do. So your yeah. your kind of stuff doesn't really ever have a def- definite or finite end. 
I mean, yeah. a lot of what you're doing with your athletes carries over and just continues yeah. to some degree, yeah. right? I mean, these right. are sometimes clients and athletes that you you potentially could be working with for the entire length of their career, whereas I might only see them for a brief moment or right. period of time. Um, right. But, you know, this mental stuff and this, this counseling, coaching, and, you know, mm-hmm. this this stuff can certainly be helpful throughout not just their injury, but the remainder of their career moving forward. So I think that's right. an important keynote thing that people should take away from this uh, episode. Sure. If they don't really understand some of the science behind it or some of the techniques, at least take that away, right? Like yeah. you you might need help, not just at the beginning. You might not need help not only through that process, but but moving forward and moving on as well. And I'm like, you know, a year from now, right? Like I have clients that leave and go out and I'm, I'm like happy. It's always that weird moment for clients for some reason when they're like, so I, I think I'm doing good. Like they're breaking up with me or something. Um, I don't know how to tell you this, but yes, I don't think yeah. I need you anymore. And you're I'm like, like, well, great. Then my job phenomenal. is <laughs> <Success>. yes. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that was always the goal was yeah, to like, yeah. yeah, we've attained our goal. Like this. Yes. Is yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, and then life happens and maybe they start experiencing something and it's triggering that trauma from the past. And so then they come on back in and we work on that. And then I send them on out, <laughs> you know, it's really yeah. just kind of, you know, and I think to the sport, right. It depends on the sport. Like, are you in Absolutely. season? Are you off season? Are you in camp? Are you off camp? Like really kind of, so I, I definitely have a open door and understanding. I'm not very rigid, but like, we have to meet for six weeks at this time. You know, I'm kind of like, you, you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Hit me up when you need me. I'm always here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been great. I, 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 I know we're kind of running low on time here. Um, I just want to kind of summarize it up, but, um, I don't think I can, because, uh, like I said, there's still so much we haven't covered, uh, so much more to talk about so much more that I don't even know. Um, we can keep you here, uh, for several episodes running, but you know, uh, we got to move on. So um, if people want to learn more about this type of, uh, treatments and counseling and coaching sessions and things that they can, you know, maybe uh, look out look for or educate themselves on or where to go for help. Um, I will have all of Krista's information uh, in the show notes. Uh, she is the owner of her own company, Speakstone Counseling and Consulting, which I have a little screenshot here. Oh, um, nice. And that's it. Yeah, that's her webpage there, the header. Um, check out her website and uh, look for her on LinkedIn and some of her other social media handles, which I will have available. Um, in closing, Krista, is there anything else that you want maybe to share that you think is important that maybe we didn't touch on? Um, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> That's all I'll say. It depends. No, I think you're right. There's just so much. And I mean, so much that I'm learning and that I hope that I'll learn for the rest of my life. You know, I, I love to learn and love to keep growing as a, you know, counselor and as a coach to see how I can serve my athletes better and coaches, right. And, uh, yeah. affiliated personnel. And I don't think it will ever stop <laughs> needing to learn. So nope. you're going to have a lot of podcast episodes, I'm sure. <laughs> Our professions won't let us stop learning. So yeah. the, the learning never yeah. stops. Yeah. But um, yeah. Awesome. So I, I will say one thing in closing, I will say that, uh, you know, don't ask me why 
Um, I get all the questions when I do my fantasy football updates and all this other stuff. I get, you know, why isn't he back yet? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, you know, he's probably ready physically. I'm like, don't right. forget, there's a big mental component to all this. I don't know. I can't speak to that. We, nobody right. might know. I mean, we can, you can just You can just yeah. start saying, well, it depends. <laughs> That's what I, do. I, say, I say it depends. I yeah. say maybe, uh, maybe he's just well, not ready. Right. It, it <laughs> depends. Leave it at that. Yeah. There's a lot of things. Um, that we can- <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Well, uh, everybody, thank you for joining the episode today. And special thank you to Krista Yearling for, uh, whoops, I'm sorry. Uh, special thanks to Krista Yearling for jumping on the podcast episode with us here today. Uh, once again, if you want to uh, see Krista's information, I'll have it all in the show notes. Um, Speakstone Counseling and Consulting owner, counselor extraordinaire, Krista Yearling. Yeah. Thanks, Krista, for joining us on the podcast. Appreciate having you. Thank you. This is the Injured List Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? Or do you know someone who would make a good guest? Want Brian Scott to be on your show? If so, share the podcast with your friends. Or drop us a line and we will get back to you right away. Email us at theinjuredlist411 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.theinjuredlist.com.